All right, Mark chapter 11. Picking up where we left off, we, we had been, been going strong in Mark for a few weeks, and then we had a, a baptism, so we, we took that opportunity to talk about baptism in the Scriptures, and then it was Easter, so we, we spent some time talking about uh, Jesus and His death and resurrection. But now we're getting back right where we left off in Mark, chapter 11. Lord willing, we're going to finish up chapter 11 today. We're going to start in verse 27. Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. Just seven verses today. So a little short passage uh, and, and, and a little lighter than, than what we have been doing. We, we covered some heavy stuff there for a few weeks in Mark. Mark chapter 11's got a lot of heavy stuff in it, and so we talked about some heavy stuff, but this passage today uh, is a little bit lighter than some of the things we have been discussing. But it is a good passage, and I believe it gives us a lot to consider and think about. Mark chapter 11, verse 27 is where we will start. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you that we can be in your house. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon this place, that you would open my mouth with the words that you want us to hear, that you would open our ears, our hearts, our minds, that we would see what's going on in your word, that we would understand what's going on in your word, and God, we would apply it to our life. We would respond to it, dear Lord. And so God, I pray that you just help it to be a good day, that you hide me behind the cross, that you take away my fears, that you take away my pride, dear Lord, and help me to bring glory to you in all that's said and done here today. And I pray that you just would bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, we have seen one big event in chapter 11 that we spent a lot of time, we spent two weeks on, actually. And, we, and that was the event of, of, of Jesus going into the temple complex and, and cleansing the temple complex. And, and, and in particularly, how we see, how we saw Jesus act in those verses, how we saw him, you know, turn the money changers tables over. And, and, and he was pretty stern with those people who were, who were doing those things in the temple. And so uh, we spent some time talking about that. And, and that was a, that was a pretty authoritative move. Jesus came in and pretty much said, this isn't right. And Jesus was one who, when he spoke, he spoke like one with authority. When he spoke, people listened. They, they, they followed Jesus. They recognized that there was something different about Jesus. And we see this mentioned on a few occasions in the gospel accounts, that when Jesus spoke, he spoke like one who had authority. And so we, we need to keep that in mind as we read this passage today because this is the, the topic that's being addressed with Jesus Jesus was constantly approached by these religious leaders and religious people of the day, the, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of these titles that we hear that, that typically apply to the, to the religious elite, if we can call them that, those who really thought they were super religious and they thought that they were, they were holier than thou is a term that we may use, uh, but really... It, it turns out that they, they weren't really that holy. They, they were living for themselves, and they were living the way they wanted to live, and they weren't terribly concerned with God's commands. And we see Jesus address these types of people 
on numerous occasions. Now, that's not to say that everybody Jesus saw was like that. There were many people who listened to Jesus and followed Jesus, believed Jesus, and, and uh, were glad to listen to what he had to say and listen to it. But there were always those few. How, how many? It's hard to say. But there were always at least a few we know who were opposed to Jesus and what he was doing. And we uh, see this, this, this type of person, these type of people again in Mark chapter 11, verse 27. <clears throat> they came again to Jerusalem, and he was walking in the temple complex. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came and asked him, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? Now, these are the same types of people that we just discussed. These, these chief priests, these scribes, these elders, these would have been the, the, those who would have been perceived, at least by themselves and maybe by others, as being a little higher up religiously. They were the ones whose voice that people in the religious community would listen to. And so when Jesus came onto the scene, he began to threaten their authority because they were the figures of authority in the community of God's people. Now, they knew God's word and they read God's word. And on some levels, I'm sure that they lived by God's word. On other levels, though, they really didn't care too much about God's word. They had twisted it and misinterpreted it and, and, and used it in whatever way to benefit them and get away with what they wanted to get away with that they really weren't adhering to what God's intent was when he gave the law. And so a lot of these religious leaders didn't really care about what God's word said because they did not have any desire to, to follow what it said. Now, when Jesus came onto the scene to preach and teach God's word in a way that was correct, that people would understand and know what God was calling them to, went against what many of these religious leaders were preaching and teaching. Because what Jesus held them to was a much higher standard than just the letter of the law. Jesus called people to look at their heart. Now that's a hard thing to do, right? Because we can live by the letter of the law in the sense that somebody we don't like, we can smile at them. And somebody we don't like, we can resist punching them. And that's good. God doesn't want us to do those things. But our heart can still be evil. Boy, we can, we can put on a good show in front of those we don't like. We can even avoid physical conflict with them. But Jesus said, well, that's, that's all well and good, but what's in your heart? What do you feel about them in your heart? And that's a problem, right? Because our hearts are kind of dirty. We can hide things on the outside, but what's on the inside may be really, really bad. The things we think, the, the, the anger that we harbor up, the resentment, the bitterness, those type of things. And so when Jesus came on the scene, and the best example of this, and I say this all the time, uh, is the Sermon on the Mount. You need to read that if you hadn't. You need, to, you need to read the Sermon on the Mount because that's the very thing that Jesus was addressing. He was addressing, but you need to look at your heart. These are the things that you have heard said, but I'm telling you something that's, that's much deeper than that. So you need to go in and you need to look at your heart and not just what's going on on the outside. And when Jesus spoke these things, the people recognized he is different than the other rabbis, they would say. He speaks as one who has authority. 
And he did have authority. He had the authority of God. He was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. And so Jesus was the Word of God. And who better to speak authoritatively about the Word of God than the Word himself who had become flesh? And so when Jesus spoke, he spoke with great authority. And he could not speak otherwise because he is the authority. He is God. And people recognize that. Many of the people of Jesus' day, boy, when they heard him, they said, this guy, there is something different about what he is saying. Now, even those religious leaders, the scribes and the elders and the chief priests, even they recognized that there was something different about Jesus. But they weren't willing to, to recognize his authority as being something that was of God. Because the authority Jesus had was pulling people away from them. They were, they were leaving the religious leaders and they were following Jesus. And that undermined their authority or what they thought their authority was. And so that's probably part of the reason why they did not like Jesus. He had stole all the people from them. They were listening to Jesus. And they were even saying, boy, Jesus is better than these rabbis we got. And so here we see this group calling Jesus out. Now, he had done this event in the temple, and that might be in the context what they were referring to when they said, by what authority do you do these things? But, but that would also apply to Jesus' whole ministry, the way that he had been preaching, the way that he had been teaching, the things that he had been doing. He had been showing this type of authority for three years now. And so when they ask him about his authority, they're, they're probably not only referring to just the event of what he did in the temple complex, but really all the things that he had been doing for his whole ministry. Now, Jesus was pretty clever. We could argue, I think, that Jesus was probably the most clever person to ever walk the earth. It's hard to imagine that anybody could be more clever than God. And Jesus knew the hearts of these people. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew what their, their real motive was behind the questions that they asked. And they always were asking him questions. They wanted to trip him up. They wanted to trick him. They wanted to get him to say the wrong thing or what they thought was the wrong thing. And so they would pose these questions to him, questions that they assumed that if he answered a certain way, it was going to be there. Aha! I got, we got you now. Did y'all hear what he just said? That's what the intent was. They wanted to get him on the spot. They wanted to, they wanted to, to get him to say the wrong thing. But Jesus was far too clever for that. He didn't give in to what their, their, their tricky questions were. He didn't fall for, for the bait that they laid out. And in this instance, Jesus responds by asking them a question in the next verse. Verse 29. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, then answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Was John's baptism from heaven or from men? Answer me. So Jesus says, all right, you've asked me a fair question. Where does my authority come from? Well, I want to ask you a question. 
And if you can answer my question, if you will answer my question, I will answer your question. But the question Jesus asked them was a difficult question. Because Jesus essentially had done to them what they were trying to do to him. He had given them a question that there was no way that they could answer that question that would be good for them. And the question was simple. Was John's baptism from heaven or from men? Now, early on in Jesus' ministry, there was a guy named John the Baptist, and he was baptizing people. He was baptizing lots of people, tons of people. Uh, so many, it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 5, it says that the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. All the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him, Mark says in Mark chapter 1. There were a lot of people who were going to see John the Baptist, which meant that they believed that John the Baptist was a prophet of God, that he was sent from God. And so when John the Baptist was baptizing, they recognized that as being something that was of God. He was certainly a man of God. And that is evident by the fact that so many people were flocking to John. And it's very possible that some of the same crew that was often questioning Jesus were some of the ones who were baptized by John, that they were part of that group that were flocking to John, who was the one who was prophesied about in the Old Testament, who was the one who would come and prepare the way for the Messiah who was to come. And so this group knew who John the Baptist was. It's likely that almost all people around this area knew who Jesus was, or excuse me, who John the Baptist was, since the Scripture says that all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him. So John was well-known, and he was regarded as a prophet of God, as a man of God who spoke God's word and who did God's work. And so this should be an easy question for them to answer. Was John's baptism from heaven or from men? That is, was John just some lunatic who stood in the river and said, Y'all come and I'm going to dunk you under there and it's going to forgive your sins but it really ain't going to do no good. Our Jesus said, was John really from God? And when he baptized, was it from heaven? Was it something that God wanted him to do? Simple question. Was John of man or was John of God? Let's read their response in Mark eleven thirty one. They begin to argue among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, they were afraid of the crowd because everyone thought that John was a genuine prophet. So now we see the conundrum. They begin to argue amongst themselves. Dang it. That's a good question he asked us. What are we going to say? The people believe that John was of God. They believe he was a prophet. But we can't say that. We can't say we believe John was of God. Because if they would have said John was of God, guess what? They would have had to acknowledge what John said. And what did John say? He said, Jesus is the Messiah. When he saw Jesus coming, he said, here comes the Lamb of God. 
John clearly pointed to people to Jesus. He said, oh, one's coming who is greater than me. This one right here, this is him. This Jesus, he's the Lamb of God. John's message was as clear as it could be. And if John was a prophet of God, and John said that Jesus was the Messiah, then they got to listen to him. If they believed that John was a prophet, and they did, then it would make sense to listen to his prophet, to his, uh, to his, to his words, right? I mean, that'd be pretty bad if you claim to be one of God's people, but yet you refuse to listen to God's prophet. What would that mean? Oh, yeah, I'm godly, but I don't want to hear nothing that God has to say. I'm not going to listen to that because I don't like that. It means you probably are not very godly. Now, this is nothing new, remind you. Read the Old Testament. God's people persecuted the prophets Every time. The prophets always came and spoke what God wanted the prophets to speak. And guess what? The people didn't want to listen to the prophets. So they disobeyed the prophets. They killed the prophets. Jesus even calls out this group that he's talking to. Talks about their ancestors, how they killed the prophets. So this is nothing new that these people who think they are so godly don't want to listen to a prophet of God. So they determine, well, we can't say that John's baptizing was of God. We can't say that John's message was of God because John said that we need to follow Jesus. And we don't want to follow Jesus. So we won't say that. But we can't say that John was just a, just a, just a man, just some crazy dude dunking people in the water. We can't say that because everybody around believes that John was of God. Everybody believes that John was a prophet. And boy, if we say in front of all these other people that John was not a man of God, then guess what? Crowd's going to turn on us. So what are they going to say? Well, Jesus had them, right? That's pretty good. Jesus had them between a rock and a hard place. To acknowledge John as a prophet was to acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. To deny John as a prophet was to, was to lose the support of the people. In verse 33, so they answered Jesus, we don't know. Isn't that something? We don't know. That's a pretty lame answer. They knew. They just didn't care. They knew that John was a prophet of God. But they didn't care. Because they didn't want to follow Jesus. Because they didn't like Jesus. Because Jesus came and he turned their world upside down. He did not fit the mold of the other rabbis. He did not... He did not seek worldly power. He did not seek to exercise his authority over his people. He did not seek the seat of honor. He did not seek to, to look grand and wear the best clothes and, and speak the most eloquently and to be viewed as somebody in this world as someone great. 
which is what some of the religious leaders of the day desired. Well, they wanted that seat of honor. They wanted everybody to see them, to know who they were. And Jesus came, and he turned that world upside down. We don't know. Well, I think they knew. I think they just didn't care. Because they were determined that they were not going to follow Jesus. They were determined, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to destroy you. We don't care what you say. We're not going to listen to you. We don't care what John said. We don't care what the prophets of the Old Testament said about your coming. Because we do not want to submit to your authority. Because we don't like you. I believe that's what they felt. And Jesus responded when they said, we don't know. Jesus said, and Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus said, you're not going to answer me. I'm not going to answer you. Now this is significant, I think, this passage. Because these people really didn't want to know by what authority Jesus did these things. It would not have mattered what Jesus would have said if he would have answered that question, which is why I believe Jesus did not answer that question. Jesus could have said when they said, by what authority do you do these things? He could have said, I am the Son of God. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning, the end. I am the Word, which through, through me all things are created. He could have said all of those things. And they would have been true. But guess what the people who asked the question would have said? Wouldn't have done any good. It would not have mattered what Jesus would have done because they were determined that they did not want to follow Jesus. It's probably some of the same crowd who mocked Jesus on the cross and said, if you're so great, if you're the Messiah, why don't you come on off that cross? If you're the Messiah, why don't you do a miraculous thing? It would not have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered if Jesus would have come off of that cross and done the most miraculous thing you could possibly imagine. It would not have made a difference. It would not have made a difference no matter what Jesus would have answered this question with. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus didn't answer the question. Because these people were determined that they were not going to follow Jesus. And why? Because he was not the Messiah they were looking for. Because he challenged their authority. Because he did things that they didn't like. He did things the way that they didn't like it. He spoke in a way that they didn't like. And they were determined, I'm not going to follow this guy. 
no matter what he says or no matter what he does. What about us? What about us? Are we going to follow Jesus? Do we see what Jesus does and what Jesus says? And do we say, Jesus, I submit to your authority. I know that you are the authority. Lord Jesus, I listen to your words, even your hard words. God, I follow your commands, even though they are difficult. Lord Jesus, I follow you. I submit to you. Are we following Jesus today? What would we have done if we would have been in this culture? Would we have done anything different than these religious leaders? Oh, surely we would, right? Surely we would have listened to the prophets. Surely we would have listened to every word Jesus said. Surely we would have saw him, and in the instant we saw him, we'd have said he's the Messiah. Surely we would have done that, right? Maybe. Maybe not. You may be rejecting Jesus today in the same way that these religious leaders of his day did. I don't know. You may have determined that Jesus doesn't fit your view of Jesus. What is your view of Jesus? Think about that for a second. When you think about Jesus, what do you think about? What's, what's your view of Jesus? What he looks like? How he would act? The things he would say? How do you view Jesus? Probably won't take you long to come up with a view of Jesus. You've already got one. We, we all do, right? We, we all have this, this vision of what Jesus looks like, how he would act, things he would say. Is he tall? Is he short? Is he bald? Does he have long flowing hair? Does he have a beard or is he clean shaven? Is he black or is he white? Or some shade in between? Does he speak with a, a clean and pure English accent? Or does he speak with an accent from another country? We all have these views of what we think Jesus looks like. What does he act like? What does he dress like? Would he wear a suit and tie? Would he wear shorts and flip-flops? Would he sing old hymns or would he sing new hymns? Would he only quote scripture from the King James or would he go so far and be so crazy as to quote scripture from the message translation? What would Jesus look like? What would he dress like? What would he act like? How would he preach if he stood up here today? Would he stand up here and preach grace and compassion and love and forgiveness and tell you everything's going to be all right to cast your burdens on him? Probably. He'd do it. He did it all through the scripture. 
We like that Jesus, don't we? What about the Jesus that comes in here and says, Woe unto you, you whitewashed tombs. What about the Jesus that comes in and overturns the tables? We don't like that Jesus, do we? We don't like the Jesus that comes in and says, You hypocrites! We don't like that Jesus, do we? But that Jesus is part of Scripture. So what if a Jesus came in today that didn't fit your view at all? What if a Jesus came in today wearing those shorts and flip-flops? What if he was a short, balding man? What if he was a man that spoke with an accent? What if he was a man that spoke harsher words than maybe you care to hear? Would you listen to him? I wonder. That's all I can do is wonder. What the world would do if Jesus were to walk into our churches today. I wonder what Jesus would look like. <coughs> what political party would he support? Surely he would support the political party that you like. What if he didn't? What if he supported the other political party? Uh-oh. Could we accept a Jesus who believed something different than we? That looked different than what we thought he should look like? That spoke different than the way we thought he should speak? Would we listen to that Jesus? I don't know. See, but that was the problem for the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Oh, they wanted a Messiah. But not that Messiah. Not that guy. Not that guy who acted the way he acted and said the things he said and hung out with the people that he hung out with. Not that guy that come in and turned the, the, the money changers' tables over in the temple. Not that guy who said, Woe unto you, you whitewashed tombs, you hypocrites. Not that guy. That's not the Messiah we want. We want this Messiah. Jesus didn't fit the part. He didn't look the part. He didn't act the part. And they decided, Well, it ain't nothing you're going to say or do because I've made my mind up. I'm not listening to you. And the truth of the matter is that Jesus wouldn't fare any better in our churches today, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that there may be many churches that Jesus would walk into. And no matter what our view of Jesus may be, I can just about guarantee you that he wouldn't live up to that view. And I wonder if we would listen to the things that Jesus said and live in the way that Jesus calls us to live if he were standing here today. And in a way, kind of he is in his word. But these people that asked Jesus this question, they had already determined they were not going to follow Jesus no matter what he said. And Jesus didn't answer their question. What about you though? Now, Jesus is not going to walk through the door of this church and preach to us today. 
But he does speak to us through his word repeatedly. And we see who Jesus is repeatedly. We see his message repeatedly. And you have the same choice as those who questioned him in this passage. Are you going to listen to him? Or are you going to reject him? Some people have already made their mind up. I'm not going to follow Jesus. But I hope it's not some of you. And if you do think that way or have thought that way, boy, I hope you'll think again. I hope that you'll look at God's words again. I hope that you'll realize that everything we need to see about Jesus, we see it in God's word. We see that he loves us. We see that sometimes he has to correct us. We see that he gave his life for us. We see that he is our strength in a time of weakness, that he is one who carries our burdens for us. And those are the things that matter. And we see these things of Jesus page after page in Scripture. We see his authority. The question is, have you submitted to that authority? The people of his day, these religious leaders, they never submitted to his authority. And there was nothing that he was going to do that was going to cause them to do so. But I hope that's not the case for you. I hope you see that Jesus was the Son of God who came and gave his life so that you could be forgiven. So that you could have eternal life by his authority, by his victory. I hope you recognize that authority today and listen to his words and follow him as Savior. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these good words. And I pray, God, that we would, we would seek you and that we would find you, dear Lord. Your word says that we will. And I pray that if there is one who is here today that has never followed you, Lord Jesus, that they would do so. God, we may come up with all these views and all these thoughts of how we think you're supposed to act, dear Lord, and things we think you're supposed to do. But God, you do things differently than we think because you are higher than us. Your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so God, even though you don't always act in a way that, that we think is best, God, let us never question that you are in control and you are right in all you do. God, let us seek your authority and let us trust your authority. God, let us find let us find strength and encouragement in Jesus who has taken our burdens from us and Jesus who says to come to him if we are thirsty. God, let us find just an unbelievable strength in that. But God, let us also repent when we see those hard words. When Jesus calls us to look at our heart and we, we don't want to look, dear Lord, because we know what's in there. But God, let us look. Let us see. And let us repent if there are things in our heart that shouldn't be there. Because God, everything that Jesus commands us is for our good. And so I pray that when we read your word that we see that, that we understand that, that we acknowledge that. God, that we would not be those who reject Jesus. God, whether we are around him in the flesh like these in the scripture today, or whether we simply see Jesus through your words, 
God, let us not reject Jesus. Let us not fail to acknowledge his authority and to submit to that authority. God, I pray that if there are any here that have not trusted Jesus, that today that they would submit to him and that he would be the authority in their life. Because God, there is no one other than Jesus who loves us like that. And God, I pray for those who are yours today, that they would submit to the authority of Jesus and live by that authority, dear Lord. Live by his commands, live by his examples, and seek to be more like him. And so God, I pray that you would take these words that we have discussed today, the things that we have learned, the things that we have seen in your word. And God, I pray that we would examine our own lives and that, God, we would seek you and that we would, we would grow in you in all that we do. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvnme.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.